Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. I have a packed show for you today, starting with former Redskins quarterback Joe Theismann talking about, of course, the Redskins quarterbacks. Former NFL scout Tyler Roman, you'll remember him from an earlier podcast. Well, he was at Redskins camp and shared his observations on a couple guys who might be under the radar. And then I answer your podcast questions. Before I get to the Joe Theismann interview, I want to ask you to go do me a favor. Go out, go to the podcast page and fill out a show survey. It would help us out a great deal. And now, my interview with Joe Theismann. And they'll show me a picture when he was five and he had the Super Bowl ring on. Really? So I, oh, I, tell, him, cool. I tell him to go get their own at some point. <laughs> well, that's, step over here, Swinger. That, that's kind of what Doc said to me. was one thing he said, like, you know, I love doing this, but I wish there would be more people who had them recently to show well, off. Well, you know, we, we would, I, mean, I would imagine, you know, having won, you know, having won, you know, three world championships, uh, I can't even imagine what a fourth one would look like for right. us. I mean, Dan would pull out every stop possible. I mean, I, you know, you talk about the Steelers in New England. I mean, if they got any bigger, they'd have to have Flava Flav medallions to wear <laughs> around their neck and they couldn't wear rings anymore because they've gotten so big. But why not? I mean, it, it's really funny. We'll ask, people will ask me about it and say, my gosh, it's so big. When did it feel comfortable? And it said, as soon as it cleared that knuckle, <laughs> it felt real comfortable yeah. on my hand. And then we also have the NFC Championship rings as well. You've never lost yours. You've never had to get it. You know, those crazy. Because you hear these guys losing them, get them stolen, having to get them. Some guys have pawned them. Some yeah. guys have had them stolen. I really try and protect mine okay. like I would one of my own children. Okay. I mean, that's the, that's the attention I pay to it. Um, the other thing about it is, you know, I've had diamonds replaced in it over okay. time, but I try and keep it in a place where it gets very little use. When I first started wearing it, I used to bang it against the window, I used to bang it against the car, just inadvertently. You don't oh, even know yeah, it's there. It's yeah. like, oh my God, oh, yeah. my, you my didn't ring. break any windows, did no, you? No, I didn't break any okay. windows, fortunately. I didn't break the ring either. Okay, that's good. I, now let's, I will get into quarterbacks now for a second. So you've been here a few days in camp. What have been your impressions of the group overall? I think I think I think it's an efficient group. I think Dwayne continues to learn and grow, which he's going to have to do. Mm-hmm. Case runs the system really well for a guy who hasn't been in it that mm-hmm. long. He's very smart. And then uh, Colt is gaining more and more confidence in his leg, and he's gaining more and more confidence in getting back on the football field. He just needs to get out there. That's why I think these preseason games are so important for our quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for, Kate, for Colt, it's to get comfortable. For Case, it's to get comfortable and understand the system. For Dwayne, it's the whole myriad of things you can think about. Movement, identifying defenses, making plays, right. calls at the line of scrimmage. People don't understand the myriad of yeah. things that have to be accomplished by that position. It's more than just spitting out a play. Yeah. It's being able to visualize the play. It's being able to look at a defense. And remember, you only have about 2.8 seconds to make a decision. So it's not like you're sitting back there going, well, I think I'll go here, I think I'll go there. It doesn't work that way. It's a very, very time-sensitive position. And it has to come to you naturally. And that only takes time. The, the best scenario I can give you from a quarterback comparison yeah. situation would be that of Dwayne Haskins, or I should say Patrick Mahomes okay. for Dwayne. Right. To sit a year, to really learn things, right. to understand things, then be able to go out and sort of react as opposed to think. Can you watch him and tell when he's still thinking versus just Oh, reacting? sure. 
Oh sure. I mean, what, what are your what are the tells for you? I mean, I think you know. Holds the ball a little bit longer. Okay. I think if, if you if you when the ball is snapped and people start moving, if he gets it back there and gets rid of the football, then he's he's comfortable with what he sees. If he gets back, holds it a second, somebody goes by him, he's still processing what he needs to look at. But he he scans the field well. He can go from right to left very well. He can go from deep to short very well. These are all things that he's continuing to work on and improve. People have to understand that anything in life is a process. When you became a reporter, Correct. it's a process. Right. You learn to ask the questions. You learn to ask the right kind of questions that give you the answers you're looking for. Correct. It's the same thing with us. You know, as a quarterback, we're getting questions answered right. every snap of the ball. Right. And that accumulates over time, but it only gets to accumulate over time. And it's funny because my thing with him has always been people are like, well, is he going to be the opening day stars? Like, I think no. the goal is to build him for a long-term success, exactly. not the short term. I so, think of Joey Harrington yeah. in Detroit. Joey was yeah. thrown into the fire quickly. Um, you know, different guys I've had conversations with that have had to play right away. In, in the beginning, they thought it was great. In hindsight, they wish they had a little more time to process yeah. things. How important, too, because some of the things he's getting used to is just calling plays in the huddle and getting them out in time. The verbiage. It's yeah. like picture learning Spanish. Picture learning Latin, picture yeah. learning French, picture learning German, picture learning any new language. Right. How do you, to go to a restaurant, it's one thing to be able to say, I would like to have a hamburger right, or a cheeseburger, right, right. okay? It's another thing to be able to say it fluently so they don't think you're from another country and it's like Ned in the first grade reader. Right. You're just sort of trying to get the words out. That's really where you are when it comes to the quarterback position. And and. Is it weird for you at all to see a number seven out there? Still? It's a little different, actually. It's funny you should ask. Uh, it, it wasn't weird because you know we talked about it. Right. I was basically right where we are here mm -hmm. in the training facility, and there was a, a young, a young man, little little guy, standing by the ropes, facing the field, and he had a seven jersey on it had Haskins Jr. above it. <laughs> that was really the first yeah. time I'd ever seen it. I went, well, that's interesting. <laughs> Was it fun to see that out there? Because you, you, yeah, your is. legacy is kind of going out there. Well, you know, I mean, if, if the Reds, if, I would like to see the Redskins retire 44. I would like yeah. to see them retire 21. I'd like yeah. to see them retire 9. I think those are numbers that deserve to be retired. They never got around to doing it. They haven't gotten around to right. do it, uh, doing it. So, uh, you know, for me, it's, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, in time going forward. I mean, it'd be neat to see a seven back out there on the field at some point in time. Do you think there's enough talent here for when Case or Colt, or, and I'm assuming it's going to be Case or Colt starting the season, for them to operate, to, for, to, for this team to have a good offense? I think, I think what's, yes, I do. I think our, we, our question marks remain in two distinct areas, offensive right. line and wide receiver. Right. Who's going to step up? Who's the person we can count on? I think, uh, you know, we've got... Uh, We've got different people that can step in and do, I think, do a good job for us. Question is, who's going to be the one that comes forward? Offensive line-wise, you know, Bill's going to work their tails off. They'll right. be ready to play. Just can we keep them healthy? For us, it hasn't been a question of talent as much as it is having guys on the field right. that have played together. And I use, we've had 70 different offensive line combinations in the I mean, last two years. It's amazing. The Rams have had the same guys for the last 32 games plus. It's amazing. So, I mean, There's, to me, if when I look at playoff teams, and look at a team that's going to go to the playoffs. I look at the consistency in their offensive sure. line. It's the first place I look. And then obviously the skilled positions, quote unquote, around it. Right. But the f offensive line is the first place I look. I think we have a top five defense. I think we're going to be that good. Offensively, it's going to give them a chance to catch up. I think for this football team, number one, they have to play 60 minutes of football. Give our kickers a chance to win games if we have to. Secondly, what's going to be the health of our football team going forward? Thirdly, as a quarterback, manage the game 
so that you're in it for an opportunity to win. Yeah. Those are three key things that have to happen for this football team. And that's where I think even with, with Dwayne, with Jay, and talking to Jay at times, like, you know, you, you He's can not trust. There right, and you can trust what other guys are going to do because you yeah. know. Well, you've seen them. They, right. They've seen it, and you've seen them. So you can trust it. With Dwayne, there's so many... There's so many unknowns as far as what's going to happen. We don't know how he's going to be able to play uh, in a preseason game yet. Right. And we haven't, we haven't seen him up against people going full speed at him. Right. You can't gauge that in practice. No, you can't. It's Not really hard to say. Not wrong. Cool. Joe, always enjoy it. Thanks. Thank you very much. After the break, I'll be chatting with Tyler Roman, former NFL scout, about some observations and some guys that maybe you didn't think about when looking at the Redskins roster. Welcome back. Here's my conversation with Tyler Roman. He had some observations on Eric Flowers. Okay, so now I'm back with Tyler Roman, former NFL scout. Had him on the show a couple months ago with some really good insight on some of the young guys. So I wanted to have him back in here. And Tyler's been out at Redskins camp a few days. So I want to get some impressions from him. Tyler, first of all, let's start with some of the O-line because that's a huge deal for this team. I'm curious, what, what, what jumped out at you in watching the O-line today? Jumped out is I really enjoyed uh, Jerron Christian. I think he looked really good on one-on-ones, had good t- solid technique. Um, stood up Ryan Anderson a couple times. I think it's really important with the team going with Trent's situation. I think if he shows any potential, that'd be huge uh, right. for them. This is a making process of getting Trent back in camp. Obviously, I'm not saying Christian can start right now, but I think he's shown some nice um, leaps and bounds from last year which is obviously very positive because he was very raw a year ago. And one of the things I noticed in the, in the, in the one-on-ones you were talking about, too, was it seemed like he was using his feet pretty well. I think strength was always a question more with him. Exactly. Is that, what did you, what did yeah, you I saw that, definitely. His feet were set up uh, great. His strength, and he wasn't dri- driven back at all. Ryanerson, right. I know he's struggled but last couple years, but he's obviously been a strong guy. He's so a strong I, he, guy. He, Christian held him like it was nothing. I mean, held him up very, very easily. So I think, um, you know, I think it's a really positive sign going forward with him. The other guy next to him, Eric Flowers, what'd you see there? I, you know, this might contrary to the fans' belief, but I actually thought he looked really well today. I'm not saying he can start, but I think guard, you know, might be a spot for him. Obviously, he's seen his tackle struggles with the New York Giants, but uh, I think he looked uh, solid. He did one-on-ones. He had really nice back-to-back one-on-one reps against Jonathan Allen and Matt Ioannidis. Yeah. did a really good job. Even though they're the quicker guys, he still had them up uh, pretty what well. What did you like about what he showed in there? Because to me, the when that, what always jumps out with him when he does well, it's the size and he just kind of engulfs guys. What did you see in there? I actually kind of I agree. He's a little – I've seen with the Giants that he's very slow. He's yes. very lumber moving. But today he looked a little spry. He looked good. I like the way he came out of you know, snap off the ball. Held – I mean, it did really well against I Nice, like I said, and Allen. And that's what I want to see. I mean, he's doing well against those guys, some of the best – best guys going against the division like Fletcher Cox and guys of that nature I think Allen and um, Payne set up to them and Ioannidis so I think if he can show us that he can show, show the team <clears throat> that he can do that it's a really good sign going forward with the and because the other thing that I would I'm going to be curious to see with him is how he adapts to handling stunts inside and things like that because now then you seems like you're getting back into your footwork and some exactly. technique work too no exactly and actually I saw a little bit of that in 11-11s there was one rep where there was a stunt shown on a run play and it was between Christian and uh, Flowers and they both held it beautifully I mean executed perfectly okay so I think that's you know, like I said another good you know thing going forward they worked well together and you know, like I said unfortunately if Trent's not uh, 
back in camp, those two will be together a lot if Eric is a starter. And there's also Donald starter. Penn there, too, who they exactly. could choose exactly. from as well. Um, there's a defensive lineman that we were talking about before this started that, that really jumped out at you. Tim Settle. Yeah. Tim Settle, Virginia and Tech I coaching. saw it, too. Yes, he was awesome. He was dominating. He was going against the centers and one-on-ones. He made Berkstrom look ridiculous on one, on, uh, <clears throat> one rep. And yeah. I just love his explosion. He's quick, and especially I think he's—you could definitely tell he's lost some weight since last year, um, and I think it shows in his explosiveness. And I think there was one rep that he—I uh, don't can't remember who the center was, but uh, Settle got off the ball before he could even get into his stance. Yeah. It got was out, crazy. I think got to his outside. Was exactly. that the one? Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. I saw exactly. that too, and it's like those things kind of opened my eyes. But that's what, what you know—we've been seeing a lot of that from Settle, not necessarily every day, but just that there is an impact there that he can make. Exactly. And he is starter potential, but with everyone in front of him, it's going to be a heck of a rotation. Right. He he's a, looks like he can be the real deal. Yeah, and I think that gives him a big boost. Um, another rookie that, and I asked you to pay attention to him because I'm curious how he's developing, Cole Holcomb. Cole Holcomb looks good. I like him, like I said, a couple, couple months ago when I was on the pod. Yeah. His college film, I liked it a lot. And he is quick to the ball. 4-4 speed shows. Showed him practice today. He got even a little edgy today. He uh, hit uh, J.P. Holtz popping pretty good on yeah. the um, hook route. So he's not a, not afraid to hit in practice either. And he was good in coverage. Um, he had one where he had, drew an OPI and he was in great coverage. He actually might have made a pick you know, if he wasn't held. So I think that's yeah. great because that coverage he was a little iffy in college but looks like he's made some improvements in there as well. And obviously middle linebacker could be definitely the third spot. Right. He might definitely be in play for that. Because he's behind a couple, well, Sean Dion Hamilton's awesome. one guy he's behind, and I don't know if, if you were able to pay much attention to him, but you certainly would have seen him in college, I'm assuming. Yes, so yes. What do you, what do you, what do you think? There? I know the knock on him is that everyone says he's so small, and he came for the middle linebacker position. And you know, when you're that small, you need to best be a heck of an athlete, and be very fast. And I don't think he's at that, you know, upper t- upper echelon athlete, but I think he definitely can get the job done in middle linebacker. I like Sean Dan. I think he's a very smart player, very yeah. instinctive player. And those are the two words that I was smart and instinctive are yes. always the two words that I always because you see like and have you seen and I was even talking to him earlier about like where he feels better and he does feel like he's not thinking as much. So then you those instincts come into play more. Did you see could you see him playing that freely or is it just hard to tell? It's a little harder to tell in practice, but I think he, he definitely looks comfortable out there. I mean, when he was in the ones, you know, I, I saw him, I didn't see him mess up or anything right. for sure. So I thought he, he was, and especially with him calling the plays now, looks over take from Mason Foster, that's a huge, um, you know, benefit to have. Yeah, and, this is, and actually Bostic and he have been kind of doing okay. some of that, so Bostic okay. may end up doing a lot more, but he certainly can exactly. do that. And I think that's the key, but it does, you know, I, that's why I was, you know, but I bring up Holcomb because I think he's going to play a role on this team yeah. with that speed, and I've liked what I've seen from him so far. Um, is there an under the radar guy that you know that nobody's talked about that maybe has caught your eye for whatever reason? A couple under the radar guys that I've seen, and you know, they might not even be fighting for roster spots, maybe practice squad spots. And obviously, we've seen with injuries of this team that could, they could be right. on the roster anytime this year. So. Couple guys I saw, uh, TJ Ramey, the receiver from Duke, actually liked him a lot at Duke. Good slot receiver. Of course, the natural comparison, James Crowder being a Duke receiver. I don't think he's Jameson, but I like the way he gets in and out of cuts, strong hands, had a couple nice catches um, last Thursday and another one on 7-7 today. Um, so I think he you know, has some potential to make the practice squad. Um, Sean Wilson, running back from UNC, I think he's going into his third year, the practice squad player the last couple of years, I think with Tampa and another team. Um, He's had good games at UNC, caught my eye there, and I think he looks very quick and very explosive. 
And I know the team right now. I know it's you know um, Chris Thompson, Darius Geis, Adrian Peterson. But that fourth spot looks like it's going to Samaj P. Ron based right. on what Jay Gruden saying. So I was just saying with Sean Wilson, I think he could be the most natural backup for Chris Thompson if that's the team way they want to go. Because obviously we, we know how much uh, Chris's injury history has flared up the last couple right. years. It might be beneficial to have a guy, at least in the practice squad, that can Especially on the year because they do have Bryce Love. And so if early and Bryce Love is not going to be ready anytime soon. Exactly. So if that if you have someone there on practice squad, maybe you know, if it's not Byron Marshall, Marshall, I don't know that he's looked all that great. He has not. Teams. I don't know. I, yeah. I wasn't very impressed with him last year as well. So I don't know if it's he's the option going forward. Right, and I, I would definitely agree with that. Anything else you, from camp that jumped out of you? Um, you know, honestly, with the receivers, I know a lot of talk of that going into the camp, even mini camp, was oh, who's going to you know be the starter? Who's going to be number one? I don't think there's a number one in this team, but I right. think there's a lot of good young prospects and players and I've been impressed with that scene in that in training camp I think uh, Terry McLaurin looks really good really lot, even more impressive than I expected I didn't know how good he was out of college there were some games I liked other games I didn't know you know if he was worth it or not pick but he looks really good he looks really good route running which I didn't expect but uh, definitely that, that was deep. one of the knocks on him yes yeah. exactly but I've seen him you know he's turned around Norman a few times yeah. like he's and he's going against starter level competition cornerback and he's showing out and his speed, obviously, is fantastic, which the team vitally needs. And uh, I've been really impressed with him. Calvin Harmon has really strong hands. The biggest thing that I didn't like him coming out of college with him, he was a body catcher. And we saw that today. He was a drop yes. when he let it get into and his I, body. I don't know. I, hopefully someone's talking to him about it. It's not the end of the world, but, you know, my cup of tea I prefer, you know, hands catcher. Yes. Definitely still a little slower, but, you know, I think there's some potential there. Definitely can make contested catches if he uses his hands more often. Yes. But, you know, you got young receivers like that. Um, if Paul Richardson can stay healthy, I know Trey Quinn is a fan favorite, a Gruden favorite. I think he's going to do well in the slot. I don't know who's going to back up in the slot, but we'll see. I don't think they do either. Exactly. So I don't know what's going to happen. And Trey got hurt last year, so we got to look at some, they have to look at some avenue that they can do for that. And Cam Sims, I know he had a great mini camps, looked good in training camp as well. Big body guy. Didn't show much in Alabama, but I think that has to do with quarterback situation. They ran the ball a lot. So I think, you know, I think he can show some good things for the team this year. And then you have Josh Doxson, who I still have some faith in. We'll see how he does this year. He's had a pretty solid training camp, but that's been the same story the last couple of years. Right. So we'll yeah. see how it we'll translates to the regular yeah. season this year. So. Yeah. I think a lot of people are ready to say, well, let's just wait and see if he does anything first. So. Exactly. But there you go. All right, Thank Tyler, you. appreciate you joining me. Thank you for having Thanks. me. Thanks. After this break, I'll answer the questions you post to me on Twitter. Welcome back. Now, here's our podcast mailbag. Um, a lot about the quarterback. So let's start with Caleb Williams and um, who else we have here? Tyler. Both want to know basically the same thing. Do I see them keeping three quarterbacks? And the one question was, do, do I see McCoy getting cut before the season? Um, no, I don't. Um, I, I see them keeping three quarterbacks as of now. Uh, I know Jay Gruden has gone with two in the past. The reason when he would do that is if you had two guys that you knew could go into a game right now and and get you through that game and play and start for you if need be. I don't think that Dwayne Haskins is at that point yet for them. If he is, I think if he or if he was, if he is, then I think you could go with two. But I don't see that being the case right now. I think they want to I don't think they want to force feed him into the NFL. I think they want to let him develop the way he is. And, and go from there. So you have a guy who knows their offense. I don't know why they would cut McCoy. He knows the offense very well. 
Um, and that's a major value right now. It can't be understated. Um, and then Case Keenum has proven, you know, has had some success the last couple of years. So I think your choices between those two guys to, to start. And then again, if Haskins were at a certain point, I think you might, you know, we'd have a different conversation. But until he's at that point, I would expect them to keep three. Gruden has done it before. Um, so there you go. Tyler also wants to know my tips for smoking ribs. All right, this is a quick one. Um, I do I three hours, um, smoke the hell out of them around 250-275, and then wrap them in tin foil for two hours, a bed of brown sugar, the butter, and some barbecue sauce, do it on the bottom and the top. And then sometimes I'll put like some beer in there too, or, or some or some apple cider or something like that to keep it moist, apple juice, whatever, to keep it moist. And then I take it out of there another hour. Um, on the on the smoker, but but at at that point you're not putting any more wood on. You don't put it on after like the three hour mark, um, and then that's and the the ribs have been terrific. So there you go. That's my little rib tip of the week. Dirk Cousins and Zach Peretti both want to know if the three quarterback race has kind of hampered Haskins' ability to get the reps that he needs, um, and is that hurting him? Well, there's a couple things. One, you want every rep you can get. So I'm not going to diminish the value of those reps. I think every time you get a rep, you can learn on the practice field. So, so yeah, I mean, if there's three quarterbacks taking reps and you're a guy trying to develop, that that's not the ideal situation. We're talking a handful of reps per practice. Um, I think what where they make it up for him is with the mental aspect or the mental side of it. And when he's not getting reps, he's usually talking to one of the other quarterbacks or one of the coaches, Kevin O'Connell or somebody. Um, and then in meeting rooms, they're quizzing him all the time on what's going on in the field. He needs those mental reps as much as anything. And in, in the room, his room at night, for example, he's, he's spouting off the plays or going over the plays with Terry McLaurin, his roommate, and calling out the plays. That is an important factor in his development. And I think that will lead him to getting more reps because it would, once he starts getting that part, he's way too talented to stay where he's at. And I think he'll obviously he's going to move up at some point. He's going to play at some point. But those mental reps for him right now are just as important. But I'm not going to diminish losing reps. And this is why, like, Jay Gruden was never a fan of having a three-man competition or even a two-man competition if you can avoid it because there, it does cost reps for um, all, all involved. Um, <clears throat> all right, Jason Booth wants to know my favorite and least favorite aspect of covering the Redskins. I'll do this quickly. One, it's a very passionate fan base and iconic franchise, so I've always appreciated that. Um, I always was glad for a long time that I didn't cover a team like the Cardinals because not as many people care. And when, they're, when the Redskins are bad, people still care. Now, we've seen what's happened to the attendance. Um, I've, I've seen, you know, you hear things from a lot of fans about how they're done with the franchise. Still a ton of fans out there, still passionate. You go on the road, you see a lot of Redskins fans. So it's still there, but certainly this organization has failed them, and I think it's chipped away at that base. But it's still passionate. So, and I love talking to players and, and coaches and all that. Um, it's a big part of my job. Is that's that's what I do. That could be with any franchise. So that's you know not germane to the Redskins, but um, I think that's those are things I appreciate. Least favorite lack of success. Easy. And it's just not because you sit there. You don't root for a team to win all the time or do anything like that. But you want different stories. And over the last twenty years or so, the stories have been about the same. Most more often than not, and hovering in that nine-win range, maybe 
um, never really being a really good, you know, really, really good team, no deep playoff runs. What, you know, my job is to report whatever's going on. And um, so you don't, again, you don't root, but to cover a big game in January and couple, cover a couple of those would be a lot of fun. I think the other thing, obviously, is just it's, it can be, it can be <laughs> this franchise can be exhausting with things that go on um, mixed with the not having enough success or having really, you know, at times not any. So, you know, but that's just, that's just the way it is. And, you know, my job is my job and I do it and, and I love it. And, um, but that's the part that is just like, you know, once in a while, it'd be fun to cover a team that actually goes on some kind of a run. Just to see what that's like, because it gets the community so involved. People are more excited to read what you have, what you write and have and hear what you have to say. So, um, you know, anyway, Ross Fessenden wants to know, with Kerrigan putting together an impressive, consistent start to his career, what would he need to do this year to gain national recognition as a top five pass rusher? you got to go more than 13 sacks. You've got to have 15 to 20 and be a guy that um, offenses are scared, scared to death about. And I think, uh, I think offenses respect Kerrigan. I think people in this league respect Kerrigan. But top five, we're talking Von Miller, um, you know, Khalil Mack territory, and that's just a different level. I don't think there's any problem with where Kerrigan is at nationally. I think he is well-respected. I think the other thing with him, too, he's such a consistent player that I think over, the, you know, over his next several years, I think he'll get maybe more recognition if he continues to do what he's done the last two years just because there's that consistency into your 30s, and that's, that's a hard thing to get. So if you, if you want him to be in that, in that level, he's got to get in that 15 to 20 range. All right, Joshua Hoffman wants to know about the receiver group. Um, very young, coming on the last two off-seasons. Um, is Doxon on the way out? Do they have four possible legit starting options? Blah, 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 blah. And he thought his Doxon replacements could be Harmon, Sims, Richardson, or McLaurin. Um, Harmon, and, Harmon and Sims play on the other side, so they're not a quote-unquote Doxon replacement. Um, so it's, it's really, we're looking at McLaurin as the guy that would end up replacing him if anything happened there. And I know that Doxon still has his, has his supporters in the building, and there is some thought that we might not see how good he is until he actually went somewhere else. Um, he's also not that old, so him getting bumped out for some youth movement, no. If he gets bumped out, it's not because of a youth movement. Doxon's not old. It's because he's not good. They don't see him as good enough. Or they see a guy like McLaurin as having risen to the level where they can get the same production and he's a guy that they want then, and then he's a guy they feel could start to um, develop more with more playing time because he's ready. McLaurin has is, 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 is improved his route running. I'll have a conversation with him um, in, in a few days um, that you'll enjoy listening to. Oh, by the way, with Kerrigan, speaking of that consistency, I have a story coming up on ESPN.com on Monday that talks about that and his injury, how, how he's approached his health over the last over his career and why he's been so consistent and I play that interview for you at another point too and I think it's it was pretty interesting what unit seems to have the most chemistry at this point and the one that has the least I think the defensive line has excellent chemistry and it's hard to know because you have to talk to all these guys and I you know what is you have to know what they're doing away from the field so what I know about the D line is they get away they get together away from the field they did that throughout the summer get together play some poker or whatever they seem to have a strong bond <clears throat> I think the you know guys like Allen and Payne or Allen especially that that Alabama background um, I think helps he and Ionitis are very tight he and Payne are tight I think they've brought the others along. 
Um, worst chemistry, and again, what are we defining here? I think the, the easiest one to look at right now would be the offensive line because they've had a few new guys come in. So you have, you have a guy switching positions in Eric Flowers. You have a new tackle coming in in Donald Penn. You have another tackle that missed a lot of time in, in, in Jaron Christian. So in terms of chemistry on the field, I think that's the one where you'd have to look at. I don't know who has the worst chemistry off the field. I know the defensive backs the last couple of years, that would have been the group. So I think that's always one to watch. But I think getting Landon Collins in here is a big step. I think Ray Horton helps with that. Um, you know, even though he's not a player, I think he helps with that. So we'll see. And usually with the chemistry, you start to see it when things start to go awry. It's harder to see it before that point. So there you go. I got through a lot of questions for you. I hope you enjoyed it. That's all for this show. Thank you to Joe Theismann and Tyler Roman for joining me. Thank you for your questions for the podcast mailbag. And again, another reminder, if you can go to the podcast page and fill out a survey in the show notes, that would be a big, big help for us. And as always, thank you for listening.